chapter 1, children in chapter 3, children in chapter 4, all of those except for children in chapter 2. Make more I feel a little bit in the days today as I actually got to see so I'm not used to that. I've been working overnight doing security, but I actually got to sleep last night, and I just don't know what to do for myself. So you just pray for me, all right? Um, Jonah chapter 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amimitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come before me. But Jonah rose up to flee in Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then in Jonah chapter 3, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so in between the story is where we see that Jonah is swallowed by a great fish, Jesus calls it a well, um, and he was swallowed by and because he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. We you know we have today um, where people have the idea that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are two different persons, that they're two different gods, that the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath, and they'll <clears throat> come to mind as <clears throat> images of <clears throat> Noah's flood, where God floods the world. Sodom and Gomorrah, where fire and brimstone come down, and then that the Jesus of the New Testament is peaceful, is loving, is um, caring, and says things like, turn the other cheek, and not an eye for eye, two for a tooth, and just that everything is just that he's meek and lowly, and that you no longer see that there is a God of wrath. And um, there's even been some throughout the centuries that have said, you know what, these are two different gods, that um, Jehovah God was a bad God, and Jesus was a good God, um, and they're distinct. But um, when you know your Bible, when you see the scriptures, you actually see they're the same. And you see um, in the New Testament, in Revelation, the Bible talks about how Jesus will be coming with vengeance, with fire in his eyes, and that um, he'll rule um, with a rod of iron, and, and that, that he will take dominion um, over the world, and those will be cast into the lake of fire who obey not the gospel by grace um, through faith. And so there's still that same God that brings judgment in the Old Testament is in the New Testament. But what people often miss as well is thinking that the God of the Old Testament was just a cruel God. When really, when we read the Old Testament in its entirety, yes, we see that justice requires um, judgment. But we also see that God of the Old Testament is a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of compassion. That 
Ahilu Sodom and Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, if I find in just ten righteous, I would spare the city. But I couldn't even find ten righteous people. We see Jonah fled from going to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a wicked place, and in many ways, you know what, wicked just as America is today, as far as with America with abortion, there in Nineveh, they did the, they did the same thing. Maybe it appears more barbaric um, to us because it wasn't in the name of health care or it's a medical procedure, but how they would sacrifice their children to their gods, um, how, how they would um, torture, they would be um, terrorists to those around them. They would basically be similar to how ISIS was um, in modern day, um, and just being a terrorist to everybody around, and um, even to one another. And, and so they despised, they hated God, they hated the Jewish people as well, in particular. Um, it was just uncommon in the Middle East um, today. But we see Jonah did not want to go. And those could be part of it, because Jonah knew um, how wicked um, the place was, but Jonah actually mentions why he did not want to go. So we read on in chapter 3. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from the throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way, and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent, and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not? And so, here we see that Jonah preached 40 days, that Nineveh would be overthrown. He didn't even say to him, hey, if you repent, if you turn, you'll be spared. He just preached that they were going to be overthrown. But the people came under such conviction, even the king of Nineveh, that they called for a nationwide fast and, and said, you know what, maybe, just maybe, it'll be possible that God will spare us. That God would show grace and show mercy and turn away from his anger that we perish not. And it says that God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. It's God that people say is just a God of wrath to show grace and mercy to a cruel wicked people. When they turned, they repented of their evil, and as in verse 5 says, it says they believe God. 
They turn to Him by faith. You would think this would be a preacher's dream. Can you imagine that we announce some kind of special service or say we're going in the open air, we're preaching in the park uh, during some public event, and then I just get out the Bible and preach, and the whole city says, you know what, we need to get right with God. And they all started coming to church, and we had nowhere to fit them in here. Because we have rooms, we just have to turn on different speakers everywhere. But man, I'd be a preacher's dream, wouldn't it? Just to see people turn to God and, and the pastor would be pleased. But it's not what we see happen in Jonah's life here. It says, but it displeased Jonah. Not only did it displease Jonah, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord. And said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. But Jonah had no doubt who God was or his character. He knew that God was gracious. And this is coming from someone that lived during the Old Testament. Because therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. All because of a great revival. All because people turned to the Lord. No doubt, when they say turn to the Lord, that would change some of their actions. You know, they would not be coming against Israel like they would have in the past. Um, and, and so there's a lot of good things that he, he should be rejoicing about. But no, he's upset. He's so upset. So God, just take my life from I just don't want to be Perhaps as he didn't want to see Israel and Nineveh um, being able to work together to live um, amongst each other. Perhaps he had his family abused by those from Nineveh. Rape was not uncommon among them. Perhaps he knew people that had suffered such. But when you see, he said to the Lord, do it so well to be well being. Let me think about someone that maybe is not on your friend list. Maybe they're on your block list. Say they show up to church one day. What's your heart going to be? Are you going to be upset that they made it here? Maybe they're wanting to change in their life. Are you able to turn and be able to rejoice and be gracious and pray that maybe they would turn to God. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared it born and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the Lord. 
But God prepared a worm when the morning arose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a wind and east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. There he goes again. Um, and God said to Jonah, Do us so well to be angry for the gourd. And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made save grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? And also much cattle. So you know they can't really discern. They don't really have a good education where they would know from right from wrong. Um, that they grew up in this environment. And he goes, "You really do well to be angry. That I would show grace and mercy unto so him." Was angry. Perhaps it was due to his own honor. Would he be considered a false prophet that the city wouldn't be destroyed? Because he just prophesied that Nineveh would be destroyed. Maybe he didn't want to be thought of as a false prophet. Maybe he didn't want to see God show favor to a Gentile nation. Um, that the enemies of his nation repent of their evils while his own country may do not repent. Maybe there was some jealousy in that. We see that Jonah knew of God. Things. That God is gracious. God is gracious. That means that God shows his favor toward us when we do not deserve it. We see that he recognized that God was merciful. That means God does not punish us like we deserve. Because he's showing mercy. We see that he recognizes God to be slow to anger, while he himself was doing it. We see that he recognized that God was of great kindness, that he relents on punishing when people repent. That God gives them another chance. He knew that. Psalm 86, 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Another Old Testament verse. Verse 15 of the same chapter 86. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn to Joel. Joel chapter 2. Joel 2 and verse 12. Another prophet. Says, no. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. Here he's one at a point. We'll bring out a hypocrisy that a lot of times people, you know, they would do their sackcloth and ashes, they would rend their garments, 
Um, it would do a public fast kind of like looking at what it does. Um, but it was with hypocrisy that their heart would be far from the Lord. And here God is calling upon them to rend your heart. Let your heart be softened. I don't want these outward rituals. I want your heart. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repent of him of the evil. Oftentimes, we're invited to turn evil. It does not always mean evil, as in man does evil continually, but it simply means judgment from Almighty God. But every God will turn from judgment when he sees repentance and faith. See, it ain't Jonah desire for God to take his life. You know, when we indulge in self-pity, we have elevated our own importance in our own eyes. You know, Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, though, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath built to every man the measure of faith. You know, we often, oftentimes, you know, when people feel low, they feel like their self-esteem is low. But on the flip side of that, in a way, they're thinking of themselves too much. They're thinking of themselves selfishly, where we may think of ourselves um, when we allow life's hurts, injustices, to dictate our emotional state. You know, that bitterness can quickly override the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It should be dominating the life of every believer. The one that does end up taking their life. It's not considered the lives of all those that they love and care for. About how it's going to affect them. And here Jonah, I don't know whether he was uh, married or not, but he may have been. He was. He was not thinking of his family. Uh, of his friends, not thinking of the people of Israel. Just was upset that Nineveh got right with God. Question. He was questioned by God. He was said, well, to be angry, and Jonah did not respond. Now, you know, I'm done talking to God. Done talking to him. Silent. Trying to give God a silent treatment. But it makes a shade, ponders the destiny of the city. Perhaps thinking, just maybe they'll be wicked again and God will destroy them. Yet the Lord prepares the door to give a greater shade. And then the Lord has to perish. God questions him again Doest thou well to be angry? And he responds, this time and claims the right to be upset that the Lord died by the worm. God's like, you know what? I brought that there. You had nothing to do with it. But the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Jonah didn't create it, and so why does it matter to him that it perishes? The Lord suggests to Jonah the vast difference between the Lord that he would have spared. A little shame. Jonah would have spared. 
And for the loss of it, he was so angry. But then when the Lord spared the city of Nineveh, it displeased Jonah. One was put but just an herb, a plant. The other a great city. But at a single plant. But the city consists of single plant. But the city consisted of thousands of people. The plant was not the effect of his toil and labor. God was the one that brought that up. But the inhabitants of this city were the works of God's hands. And, and, and Jonah was able to be a part of that in the preaching. So he was part of the toil and the labor and being willing to finally go. And yet he gets upset when they actually turn. According to some historians, a million and a half of men were employed eight years together. The plant was like a mushroom. It sprung up in the night and perished in one. Whereas this was a very ancient city that had stood ever since the days of Nimrod. God's love for the people of Nineveh, whom he had created, is far different than Jonah's indifference to their damnation and greater than Jonah's warm concern for a wild plant for which he had done none. God was ready to spare Sodom in for ten righteous, how much more for a city which Includes possibly 120,000 small children. That may be what God was referring to when he says 120,000 cannot discern between their left and their right. Or it could be those that are even older. But they've just been so brainwashed into Nineveh's system of thinking that they did not know right from wrong. God was going to show grace. God created mankind. God doesn't desire those whom he made in his own image to perish. The Lord is sovereign and has a right to spare Nineveh. You know, in, God, um, in Romans 9.15, it talks about how God spoke to Moses, says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God will show his grace, that he will show his mercy, even when man doesn't want God to know. Romans 9.25, and as he says say also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass, that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. See, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. God of grace. A God of mercy. A God that wants to show His compassion. A God who's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You know, we should hope the best for people in our life. We should not be gleeful when people fail. Even when our enemies fail. We should not smirk. 
You know, in the Bible, Jesus said that you know that your enemy hunger, feed them. Your enemy thirsts, give them to drink. Proverbs talks about how when doing so, it's like heaps of coal of fire upon your head. You know, you just imagine someone that hates you, despises you for whatever reason, but then you be intentional and, and show kindness and show grace, show mercy, being a model of God that is in you. Let him Jesus shine through you. Now, you know, over time, that's going to eat at people. And, and they'll, they'll either get more bitter or whatever some people do, or it might draw them to repentance. By seeing your kindness, by seeing your goodness. We should delight in grace and mercy for others. You know, naturally speaking, you know, a man and kind naturally, sometimes when they think of a preacher, they just think that the preacher is always judging. That a preacher thinks he is holier than thou. That he has a man, that he has no issue, family problems. No problems in his marriage. That everything just seems all perfect. It's what people sometimes envision in their mind. And then they'll feel that they're being judged. And they'll be condemned. Remember one time going to a 4th of July picnic with someone that came here years ago that had moved. And they had family and friends and was trying to re reach them. Um, and one of the family members um, ended up co um, coming as well. And, um, um, but then in this event, he went to, and, you know, they warned, they, they warned me as a preacher. They just said, hey, you know, we want, we love for you to come. Maybe you could be a good influence on um, the people, on our family, our friends. Many of them grew up in church. There's some of their, um, some of them, their dad was a pastor, but they're bitter against the Lord. And I um, just want to let you know ahead of time, though, that there's going to be drinking. Um, and so you're not like surprised by it. Of course, we weren't going to go for the drinking. You know, you do see that, you know, Jesus was often accused of being a wine giver because he sat with sinners. He ate with them. Now, the Bible does say he was separate from sinners. And it was separate in the sense that he did not sin. He did not participate in their sin. But Jesus did not come to call the righteous. You know, Jesus said, you know, those that go to the doctor are not the healthy. It's the sick. They're the ones that go to the doctor. Now, nowadays, I guess it's different. You can't go to the doctor if you're sick. you got to prove that you're healthy to go to the doctor. But that's not how it used to be, okay? It's just people get a little bit more nowadays, okay? Uh, proof that you're healthy to go to the doctor. Any kind of procedure. It's not how it used to be, okay? So just don't let it hurt the illustration. But Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That he came not to um, condemn and to destroy, but to seek that which was lost. And so, you know, we went to that. You know, we let our kids know, hey, you know what, this isn't going to be the type of environment you usually get to see at a party. We would hope have at our house. 
Like my notes just use discernment, and so we went, love on the people, one of the guys that actually did visit the church service, and stuff, and came to me for counseling, and said, you know what, I want to quit drinking, I'm definitely a drunkard, I'm an alcoholic. He was not happy to see me there. He said, we go to he had gone and came to for get counseling. He was like, I just want to drink at this party, and now the preacher's here. Why did my brother invite the preacher? He was mad. He was upset. So, and then finally, he's like, who cares? You know, I'm just going to do it. It's funny, he was trying to not drink just because of my presence, and he was mad, and he did. Didn't say a word to him about it, just talked with him, talked with others, and then the family, the, the one that actually invited us to come over, said, hey, you know what, I just want you to know that, you know, like one of my brother was mad at first, but, um, you know, all the rest of my family, you know, that aren't walking with the Lord, at first when they I introduced you as my pastor, and we're looking to get my hand for So, but you know what? A lot of their hearts turned. They saw, they noticed you weren't doing the same things they were doing, but you weren't calling them out for it, you weren't condemning them for it. Which I don't know why they make that preacher. It's not like to go around walking around town and just doing that to everybody, okay? Maybe some do. So you see in Jonah, there is a time, there's a place for calling for repentance. You see Jonah preached to the city. But you know Jesus also just spent time sitting, eating with sinners. Trying to reach them. Trying to bring them to himself. And so we want to show, our, show grace, show mercy. You're going to have friends and family that don't have the same standards, the same convictions as you. And some of them automatically by default. Not because of how you're behaving, but some of them are going to feel like you're judging. They're just going to feel that. And you just do your best so they don't feel that way. You can't control their emotions. Some of them are going to feel that way regardless. You know, sometimes when my wife introduces herself to people, she just introduces her, introduces her, her name. Like when we're out on the couch, she doesn't even say she's the pastor's wife. Okay, she just, and she just goes to her and goes, hey, no, I'm the pastor's wife, worship me. Okay, okay she doesn't do that at all. She often does not want to tell people that. For she just wants to invite them to church. Go, hey, you know what? I'd love to invite you to come to our church. Now, they'll eventually find out they're the pastor's wife. But she noticed that sometimes when she tells people she's the pastor's wife, they look at her differently at first. They think she is going to be judgmental of them. Just the kind of reaction you get. But as we're leaving it, want me to we try to fight against that as far as that perception. Show people we love that we care for them. May we all um, do that, to be like Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and be seen as God in the Old Testament, that he was full of compassion, he was full of mercy. Yes, he did not want men of a trickster in their babies. He did not want them killing each other. He did not want them killing his people. He condemned that. But he wanted their heart. Because if he got their heart, 
got their faith, those things would take care of themselves. You know, if they would be filled with the Spirit of God. You should not have an attitude or be certain that some people don't deserve to be saved. Because in reality, none of us deserve to be saved. But God is willing to show His grace and mercy. And that's why the grace and mercy of God is so amazing. He is able to make us a new creature. A person who despises. God can make them a new creature. God can make you a new creature by you simply praying for them. Praying well for their soul. Praying that they would find grace and mercy from God. You know, this summer, Be a light. Be one that's willing to get down and get dirty and hang out with sinners. I'm not saying go get drunk with them, okay? It's not how we shine a light in the darkness. But be a light. If you have a person you know that they're addicted to drugs, and they possibly are either proud of it or they feel shame and they feel your judgment. Maybe they feel the love. May they see the love of Christ in you. That you want to see them do well. Yes, there are situations where, you know, maybe you need to be protective of your children. That you, you need to be careful with what, what kind of environment you bring them along with. I would not recommend a woman with her children just bring picking up a homeless person and on the side of the street that you don't know. Uh, take precautions, but you don't let many people see the love and grace of God shining through. And and, and when people turn to Jesus, just of the light that you are. May we repent the vain heart like Jonah. Not want people to turn and repent, turn back to God, but that not be all. Let us have a heart that we want to see our town, our community, our county turn to Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help my heart to be even softer toward others. And I even see things like as saying, I hope my children wouldn't turn out this way, but if more like, Lord, maybe as a family, reach out, show grace and mercy to these people. And may, they may find a renewed life. And many times it maybe won't come for a while. No, it could have been years. That Nineveh did not repent. There may have been other prophets, other preachers that you had sent to Nineveh. But finally, with this one, they came and they did repent and they believed God. There may be people that in other places that are praying for their family and friends that are struggling um, with different sin or and addictions here. They're praying that someone would be able to be a light here. 